1. In the pre-dawn hours of March 3, 2009, Tonya Hatfield huddled outside the darkened home of the United States Supreme Court. A late winter storm had fallen on Washington, D.C., dropping eight inches of snow on the city expecting cherry blossoms. Crews had shoveled snow from around the court, and Hatfield climbed the forty-four steps to the main entrance, where three others were already in line, hoping to attend the court's morning session. Forty-year-old Hatfield wore a heavy coat and leather gloves, but nothing to protect her feet from the temperature, which hovered near zero. In her haste to drive north from her home in southern West Virginia, before the snow made the roads impassable, she had forgotten her winter boots, and her toes went numb in her shoes. Hatfield had traveled to Washington only once before, as an eleventh grader with an exalted vision of American democracy. She was a coal miner's daughter who had been raised to believe that when everything else failed, a courtroom was the one place where the poorest could find justice against the richest and the most powerful. That belief had driven Hatfield from her home in Gilbert, West Virginia, population 417, to study at the University of Kentucky College of Law, Degree in hand, she'd returned home to set up her law practice in Gilbert. For the most part, she handled small personal injury cases, real estate closings, lots of wills, and other legal issues. Hatfield wanted to use the law to help those who needed help most, and to bring them true justice. But every time one of her cases brushed against the powerful and the well-placed, she saw that in Mingo County, the coal company so effectively controlled the political system— that overwhelming injustice and corruption were inevitable. For the young lawyer, it was one futile fight after another, and Hatfield had been thinking of giving up the law. That was when she'd met Pittsburgh attorney Bruce E. Stanley, who became her co-counsel in a case involving the death of two miners in a mine run by the Massey Energy Company, the largest and most powerful coal company in Appalachia. The West Virginia-born Stanley had so inspired Hatfield that she had not only kept her practice, but, this morning, had driven 360 miles through a snowstorm to hear another of his cases involving Massey. It was Stanley's first visit to the court, too, but as a counsel of record, he would breeze through the building's mammoth doors. Hatfield, however, had not wanted to bother Stanley for a pass to the hearing, scheduled for 10 a.m. She would take her chances in line with the others. As dawn arrived, Hatfield looked up at the Vermont marble facade of the four-story court and saw the inscription, Equal Justice Under Law. She could hardly believe that, if she were lucky enough to get in, she would watch the justices apply those words to her friend's case. It could redefine judicial conduct not only in West Virginia's often coal-beholden legal system, but in every court in the land. Two miles from the shivering Hatfield, Theodore B. Olson drove through the city's empty streets. As his vehicle moved through the corridors of power, the sixty-eight-year-old lawyer sat in his thick wool coat reviewing yet again the case he would be arguing before the Supreme Court in a few hours. Olson's mane of chestnut hair had a Reagan-esque fullness without a spot of gray. His face was that of the common man, writ large. To a jury, it would have proved seductive, This morning, however, it wouldn't help him. The only jurors Olson would be facing were the court's nine justices. Olson was a man of great public modesty, but he had the fierce ego of a lawyer who practiced the most unforgiving kind of law. 
At the Supreme Court, lawyers were given precisely a half hour to make their case. Olson and his clients lived and died in those few minutes. Ted Olson not only ranked among the top six attorneys in Supreme Court appearances, he had won 43 of those 54 cases. A lifelong conservative, he had etched his place in legal history in the aftermath of the disputed 2000 presidential election. The Berkeley Law graduate had argued before the Supreme Court on behalf of George W. Bush in Bush v. Gore. The decision seating Bush as president made Olson nationally prominent. Lion-